Amen. Yeah, you may be seated. Thank you, worship team, for leading us. We are not a perfect church or perfect people, but we are here because we know we need help, and Jesus Christ is that help that God sent to us. And as we do this together, church, we are walking in the newness of life because God has provided that for us, and he's calling us into it. And so as we do this, I'm asking you accountability questions that we do weekly. Have you spent at least five minutes a day, at least five days last week, reading or listening to God's word? Did you do that? If you did, say yes. Did you share God's story with someone this week? If you did, say yes. Did you spend time alone with him this week with no agenda? Do you know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you? Are you giving as God has asked you to give? Time, talent, resources. Don't select one of the three. You need to do all of it. Are you doing it? Did you invite someone to church with you this week? Uh, Inviting them to be part of the family of God that he's called you into so that they can develop and grow in their faith. If you did, say yes. One person, there you go. There's some cards right there that you can invite some people with you. And are you praying about and are you working towards that goal that God has given us for 2019? Each one, reach one, and teach one, which is the actual uh, putting together the call of God in the Great Commission of Matthew 28. Are you doing that? All right. As I prepare for what God has for us today in praying, I want you to know we're going to review some things that we looked at last week, but we're going to spend some time there to ask God where he's taking us because it is important that he is leading us through this journey of our Christian faith. As I've studied through, most of you probably know that I'm going through my doctoral training right now, and I have a few years to go still in that process, and uh, this semester has been a little bit of a challenge for me and the demands that are there. And uh, so we've been studying some things, and throughout my educational process of ministerial training, from the very beginning all the way up through right now, and I plan on it being the rest of the time as well, there is uh, very little um, education on the Holy Spirit. And when I say that to you, and the reason I say that to you is because the Holy Spirit is what I always, uh, I've referenced him to, and I call him the honorable mention of the Trinity. Uh, We talk about the Father and the Son, and we talk about that relationship and what it means to us, but we struggle in the area of the Holy Spirit. We know that He is, and that He is God, and He is part of the Trinity, but He is the mystical aspect. And therefore, when we try and apply educationally or intellectually the mystical aspect of God, you can't. And therefore, what we do is usually throughout educations, throughout learnings, throughout teachings, is we... We spend extensive times talking about the work of the Father and the Son, and then we mention the Holy Spirit in the context of whatever we're talking about because we know he's part of. But we have very little teaching specifically about the Holy Spirit himself because it is, um, it's the mystery of God. He is the mystery of God, the mystical aspect of your faith. He is. And so as we have taught, have been taught in the church, and in my upbringing uh, in the church, and throughout my educational process through the church, intellectually, uh, there are some very wrong ideas presented about the Holy Spirit, and we have created things about the Holy Spirit that are not biblically accurate, and we have practiced things in the name of the Holy Spirit that are not biblically founded. And so because there is such a mystery of him and who he is and what he does, it's very easy to misunderstand him and or misappropriate his activity among us by our ignorance or our 
susceptibility to desire of spiritual happenings and events in our life. Our culture today is very spiritually minded. I didn't say we're Christian. I didn't say we're God conscious. I say we are spiritually minded. That's the way people have been from the beginning because we are created spiritual beings. We were made into likeness in the image of God. Therefore, we are stamped with that. And therefore, there is a desire inside of us to be part of and connected with the spirit. So understanding that and knowing forward, we have to know our spiritual foundation is a foundation of truth. And we've been talking about that. We were looking at the fact that Jesus Christ is that foundation and everything in our life has to be built upon the foundation that God has laid, which is Jesus Christ. Most of us, and we referenced this last week, we've had some type, I even asked the question in every service, and only one person in our entire church, uh, I think there was like 400 and some people that came to church last week, if I'm just going off my memory in the electronic bulletin, and then saying, in all the, the services, all three of them that I asked, is anybody living and practicing the exact faith they were taught when they were younger? And only one person raised their hand, and I think they didn't really understand the question. <laughs> Because you see, we have, we've come to know God ourselves. We've stepped into relationship with him. And through that relationship with God, through the word of God, through study, through the spirit of God moving, we've learned more about our relationship with God because we've learned the surrender of myself and I'm growing in my faith. And therefore, my faith establishment has changed and grown and morphed. It has, it has to, because the Spirit of God is living and active within us, and He's taking us on a journey that is progressing towards Christ likeness. Okay? So, understanding that, then, we need to give the Holy Spirit full access to who I am. Okay? Church, please hear me, because remember, we referenced this a few weeks ago when God created His likeness and image, God is sovereign. But God has also released some of his sovereignty into us because he is all-powerful, all-knowing, and he is God. He could force us into relationship with him, but he does not. And therefore, he gave to us sovereignty to make choices, yes or no. And therefore, we, this is crazy, we actually control what God can and can't do. And that's pretty mind-blowing that God would allow us that kind of sovereignty within us. And so, therefore, I can either let the Holy Spirit have full access or partial access or whatever. Now, he's not going to be okay with partial access, but I'm telling you right now, we already know that the Spirit of God entered our hearts when we entered into relationship with the Father. The Holy Spirit came to live within us. Therefore, he has come to dwell within the heart of the believer, the soul of the believer. And now as the Holy Spirit works, he's working through me with transformation power to make me Christ-like. Now that's a journey. <laughs> and that's a work, all right? But that started on the day I said yes to him. If you know Jesus Christ, the word of God affirms this truth in the book of Romans and 1 John. Both books write about this aspiration or affirmation that the Holy Spirit affirms us. The Spirit of God affirms that we are a child of God. 
The church can't do it. It's not found in a certificate. It's not because we put your name anywhere. The Holy Spirit affirms that you are a child of God. If you are given your life to Christ and you've been born again, repented of your sin, and you were given new life in Christ, the Holy Spirit has affirmed within you that you are redeemed. There's no doubt about that. It does not always look the same, feel the same, or act the same. So stop trying to put it in a box like if you don't experience what I experienced, you don't got it. No. The Spirit of God affirms. That's all it says. He affirms that you are a child of God. Have you received the affirmation that you know that you're a child of God? So you know. And you only know that because of the Holy Spirit revealing that reality to you. So Jesus Christ in his teaching in Nicodemus in chapter 3 of John says... To, to that teacher, he says, you must be born again. You must be made anew. In other words, that old life that you used to live, the, the life of sin and death, has to be changed, and you ha- have to start a new life. That new life is in Christ, which is through the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. All right, so now we establish our faith upon the absolute truth of God. Jesus made the statement in John 14, and, the, and the, you know this statement. Everybody in the church knows this statement. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Everything in our faith rises and falls on Jesus Christ. Church, every faith, please hear this. Every faith is known by who they profess Jesus is. They are. You are known by who you profess Jesus is. The Apostle Paul warned us, we read the scriptures last week, there would be false teachers, false prophets, false apostles proclaiming that they know Jesus, teaching about Jesus, but they're not. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen. these people are false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I'm not surprised even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get their punishment their wicked deeds deserve. So we understand here, church, we, come on, we know there's false teachers, Okay, but it's not just that there's false teachers. There are false Christ teachers. Man, one of the biggest errors that we in the Christian community make is just including anyone and everyone in that calls themselves Christians. I'm not talking about judging people. I'm saying, who is Jesus and who do you teach that he is and who do you believe that he is? And if you don't teach what God says about him, what the word of God proclaims to him, you're not Christian. I don't care if that's what you call yourself or your church does or theology does or history does. You're not. We need to embrace the truth, church. All right? The the word of God is is a sword. It is a sword that cuts truth. Just because there's a cross on a building and because people open a Bible and teach Jesus doesn't mean that they're right. Jesus himself said on that day of judgment, there will be those who prophesied in my name, did miracles in my name, cast out demons in my name, and I will say, I depart from me, I never knew you. Amen. That's scary stuff right there. Okay, so he's telling us there is a spiritual darkness that comes in the presence of light. Church, we better know the truth. Now, God did not leave us to figure it out on our own. Aren't you glad? Man, otherwise we would definitely be messed up. I already was messed up. I'm probably still a little bit messed up, but I'm learning. Okay, so I look at this, and I'm so grateful that Jesus promised to send the Holy Spirit for us to know the truth and live the truth. 
we read these three statements of Jesus, and I will add a fourth today, of his own teaching about the Holy Spirit. In John 14, it says, If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Now we know as we look at this teaching, Jesus talking to his disciples and his current followers, and he was letting them know the Holy Spirit was present and that they knew the Holy Spirit was present. Please know that. They did not have him within, but they knew he was there. That's what Jesus said. Okay, you know him because he lives with you. But he's going to live in you. Okay, so obedience to Christ's teaching was necessary to receive the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus told them. If you love me, obey my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you. Right? So there's an obedience to the Spirit of God. There's an obedience to the teachings of Christ, which is all about our obedience and walking with the Holy Spirit. John 15, verse 26, But I, tell, I will send you the Advocate, the Spirit of Truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. Now the word here, and each time it's used, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. You can read from any of the inspired versions, translations, I should say, of Scripture, not versions, translations. Uh, I choose this just because of the simplicity of the context of the, of the text of Scripture. But I want you to know that in, in each of the, the translations, whatever word they use there for advocate, uh, as referencing the Holy Spirit, then in, I'm not a Greek major. Just because I've been learning doesn't mean I know anything. I'm still in, uh, I look stuff up and I learn from it. Uh, when you look in the original Greek language of the New Testament, which it was written in, the word right there that is translated in this uh, New Living Translation is advocate. It's also advocate in the New uh, International Version and a few other ones as well. But that word is in the original context of the Greek language is paraclete. That's the, the actual word that is there, paraclete. And the meaning of that, like we know, as you translate a language, uh, even in the English language, we have like a word, but we have synonyms, things that are like it, that fit that. And so in the Greek language, when you look at the word paraclete, it means comforter, helper, encourager, and counselor. Any of those words fit into the paraclete. And so Jesus said, I am sending you an advocate. I am sending you the advocate. He is the comforter, the helper, the encourager, the counselor. When I read that and I think, you know, hey, church, we can't do it without him. <laughs> we can't do it without him. And Jesus said, here he is for you. I want you to know I'm sending him to you. He's going to be your comforter, your helper, your encourager, your counselor. He is. All right. John 16. I did not read these scriptures to you last week. We, we touch on them as we take off on our journey. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. All right, we're jumping down to verse 13. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring glory to you, uh, to me by 
I did this in the first service. Let me reread that whole thing. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father's mind. This is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Now, these are the entirety of Jesus' teaching about the Holy Spirit. We just read it. In light of the teaching of Jesus on the Holy Spirit, he has let us know this is what the Holy Spirit will do. This is who he is. He's the advocate, the comforter, the counselor, all that. This is what he will do. And Jesus, in these teachings to the disciples and to us, gave us 12 things the Holy Spirit would do. All right, I'm just going to read the list. It's right out of the scriptures. He'll never leave us. He'll lead us into all truth. He will dwell in us, testify of Jesus, convict the world of sin, convict the world of God's righteousness, convict the world of the coming judgment, guide us into all truth, Tell us what he has heard. Tell us about the future. He will glorify Christ by telling and speaking from Jesus, and he will speak to us. All right? Those are the things that Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do. So for right now, what we need to do is gather ourselves back into the very foundation of our faith. And let's not get ourselves clouded up with what we see the experiences of happening in Acts and through the epistles to the churches for just a moment. Those things are real. They're a byproduct of that Holy Spirit work. But let's get back to the foundational truths that Jesus is talking to us about the Holy Spirit himself. Because this is critical for us as we lay that foundation of our faith is built on Christ. We need to understand then that because our life and our faith is built on Jesus Christ, the, the affirmation of that truth and the revelation of that truth, the guiding in that truth, the actual living of that truth is done by the Holy Spirit. All right, Jesus just told us this. So we need to focus on this foundational truth that we have here. So if we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, then the Holy Spirit is in us. You all, everyone that answered when I said, did you know, have you had the affirmation from the Holy Spirit that you're a child of God? The most of you, I don't know if everybody in the room said it, but most of you said yes. So you've had the affirmation that Jesus Christ is your Savior and that the Holy Spirit has touched your life and come into your heart and He is there. And the Word of God says now that the Holy Spirit is not only in us, but He's leading us. He's testifying of Jesus. That's what Jesus said He'd do. He's testifying of Jesus. He's convicting us of, and the whole world, sin, righteousness, which is now available because the Holy Spirit is available to us, and the coming judgment. There's an awareness that I'm going to have to answer. And it's because of the Holy Spirit. He is guiding us, telling us what Jesus is saying, telling us about the future. He's glorifying Christ and he's speaking to us. So when I think about that, the Holy Spirit inside of us, obviously the Holy Spirit and what he is doing is critical to our Christian life. And it is through him we are able to live the Christian life. And yet, church... As a pastor for 30-some years, this is what I hear from Christians. I don't know what God is saying to me. I'm not sure what he wants from me. I don't know what to do next. I am not sure of what God says. I don't know that I know his voice. I'm a little confused right now, and I'm not sure what to do next. These are things that I hear from Christian people 
And yet, when I go into the scriptures, Jesus says, this is what the Holy Spirit's going to do. Guide, reveal, let you know, speak truth, guide you in your life, empower you to do it, convict you when you're wrong, convict you to know what's right. Warn you that there is a day that you're going to pay for all this. When we stand before God, be aware that you need to own up to what God's saying to you. And so as we look at this and the teachings of Jesus about the Holy Spirit, why is it that the by and large, the Christian community of the body of Christ is unsure of what God wants from them? Why? Let's just look at this. Jesus is telling us there should be no confusion in us. Why then is this one of the most difficult things that we learn or are trying to learn in this life of Christianity? I have to believe, I just, I'm just guessing, I have to believe it's because we've been taught wrong. Obviously the Holy Spirit and what he is doing is absolutely critical and without him, you and I can't do this. Jesus said it to him. I have to go. I have to go. Because you need me to go to send the one that will make this possible. He's going to do all this for you, in you, with you. Okay. So as we consider this truth, the Holy Spirit is leading, guiding. He's revealing. He's convicting. He's telling. He's telling. He's telling. He's speaking. Did you notice that when I was reading through what Jesus said? Telling, 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 speaking. <laughs> it seems obvious that we need to know what he's saying to us, isn't it? It seems so critically obvious by what Jesus said that it's so critically important for us to know what he's saying. And yet that is the point at which I'm going to tell you that probably uh, of all the things people talking about in the Christian community, as a pastor, through texting, through, through email, through conversations, is that very thing. I don't know. I think God. Or they say God said, and then in another two weeks, God said, and another two weeks, God said, and none of those align. <clears throat> when I ask the accountability questions, my fourth question I ask every week and it's one of the weakest responded to, not the weakest, but one of, do you know what the Holy Spirit is saying to you? Why is it that the very source that Jesus tells us that is necessary for us to know the truth and live the Christian life seems to be something so rare for us as believers to know? Why is it that we don't just know that I'm right where I need to be. Amen. I'm doing exactly what I know I'm supposed to do. I'm confident in my walk with God today. Why can't we have those three things being stated on a regular basis in our life? Amen. Why can't we? That doesn't mean everything's good. That doesn't mean I know everything about what's happening. That doesn't mean I know my next three steps. It means I know God I know I'm where I need to be, and I know he's leading. Amen. Therefore, I have confidence in where I am, who I am, and where I'm going, even if I don't know any of that. 
Jesus, in his teaching in John 10, you know these words, but hear them again. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run away from him because they don't know his voice. Jesus is giving a cultural teaching here to the, the people that very well knew shepherding. At night, all the flocks would come together in a sheltered, protective area. And then in the mornings when the shepherd would come to get his flock, he would open the gate and he wouldn't go through there and say, you're mine, you're mine, you're mine, and brand them. He would simply say, hey, let's go. And everyone in there that knew that shepherd would actually push through the others and follow. And he would lead them out. Now, when Jesus is giving this teaching to us, church, he goes on later and he includes me and you in the teaching of this, which is awesome. I love that. In John 17, he prayed for us. Here he talks about us in the whole shepherding calling. And so I'm going to read you those verses down, starting in verse 14, jumping in the same chapter. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep, and they know me. Just as my father knows me, and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep, too, that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. That's me and you. They will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock with one shepherd. So when I read this and I hear what Jesus is saying, he's saying, huh, mine know me, and they know my voice, and they follow me. So when I look at that, I say, you know, probably, Lord, I think one of our main problems is, is that we're not following, we're leading. And when the gate opens, we run. And then we tell Jesus, come on. And I'm so busy doing my life for him that I'm actually in places I'm really not supposed to be. And I understand why I can't hear him. And it's because he's still standing by the gate saying, uh, hello. <laughs> You're supposed to follow me. And we're running around, running around, running around. Come and follow me. And so when I look at this, I say, church, um, Jesus let us know that the Holy Spirit is the voice of Jesus, right? We read that. He said he's going to tell you about me. He's going to say what I say. This is the teaching of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is my voice. That's what he said. And he said, then you're going to know my voice when the Holy Spirit is in you because he's speaking my words. So now when we think about the sheep and the shepherd and the following of Christ and what it's all about, the Holy Spirit is speaking words of Christ, things that glorify Christ, things that convict my life, things that show me the right, right way to lead and guide me in my walk with him. The Holy Spirit is actively comforting me, encouraging me, helping me in my walk with God. That's amazing. That's phenomenal. That's so cool because God did it for us God did it for us we shouldn't be confused we shouldn't be wondering we shouldn't be wandering we shouldn't be unfocused we should know we should know church we should know Jesus said so so if we don't 
we have a problem. And it's a bad one. And it's a serious one. And we need to adjust that and make it right. Because when I look at this, this there's nothing more critical for you and I than knowing the voice of God, understanding his promptings, where he's leading, where he's convicting, where he's guiding, what he's doing. Right? I mean, there is nothing more important than that. So, all right. So let's pause for a second and think about the shepherd and the sheep for just a minute. When Jesus said he opens the gate, calls them out, and they follow him, where is he leading them? I'm telling you, what he's leading them out to is that day's life. Right? He's leading them into that day's life. What they are doing out there is being born, maturing, growing, producing, and reproducing. That's all happening out there in the day-to-day life of the sheep. So Jesus is leading them out there so that they can live life. And what did he say I come to do? Give you life to the full. All right? So he's saying, here's where I'm leading you. I'm leading you out here so that you can live life today. Oh, wait a minute. Didn't he tell us that in the prayer, too, that we just looked at a couple weeks ago? Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Your will Give us today our daily bread. Let me live with the dependency of knowing you're in charge and you've got this because I'm following you. So why in the world, if God's leading us and we're following him, are we questioning and confused as to where we are? You don't need to know who you are, where you are, I should say. You don't need to know where you are. You need to know who led you there. And if you know who led you there... Quit freaking out. Amen. Trust him. It seems, see the conversations that I've had with Christians. Okay, I read you the 12 things the Holy Spirit would do. One of them said he would tell you about the future. One. Not out of the 12 that he came to do, only one said anything about the future. And for some reason, we get hung up right there. We all want to know about tomorrow, next week, next year. What's the five-year plan? What's the 10-year plan? I mean, good grief, man. Like, look, let's, let's let him do that when he wants to. And let's deal with the 11 that are right here, right now that we know. Okay? So, as I speak with the Christian community, I'm just going to stop referencing specifics and just say, in the Christian community, a lot of Times I hear conversations that say, I know God has great things planned for me. God's going to do great things. He's already spoken to me about doing great things, great things. And when we as human beings hear that, or God has even said it, I'm not saying he hasn't said that to you, by the way, just hear me. Uh, immediately, we humanize that statement. And great things in our culture means numerical, physical, material, financial, whatever. So we immediately attribute that God is going to do great things to mean there's going to be production of major proportion of some type, whatever it may look like to you. So that's what we see as great things. And we are believing God for that and always looking to the future as it's going to happen. And we're not even living today in the moment of the revelation of what God's trying to do in us now. Because we're so consumed with waiting for what will be 
that we're not living what is. What can be and what God is doing. And that's never going to happen unless I'm living in full obedience today. What matters in my life is not what will happen, but what is happening. And what needs to be happening right now is I'm living in full obedience to the Holy Spirit today. Today, in this moment, I'm living in full obedience to the Holy Spirit. I am who God wants me to be right now. There's nothing better than that in the whole wide world. That's what brings us joy. It doesn't mean anything other than that. And then let's let God, who is God, and the Holy Spirit do His work in us to let God accomplish what He terms great things are, not us. We often get confused because we interpret God in our human terminology. I cannot tell you. I can tell you. I can. Unfortunately, I can. The first few times God gave me a dream or a vision or a word many years ago that when God gave it to me, I immediately, in my ignorance and my youth of my faith and misunderstanding, and I knew it was God, and therefore it was going to happen. And the way it was going to happen was just like it looked to me. And it was going to happen now because God showed me. So why wouldn't it? Because it should happen now because God said it. There it is. We're doing it. And as time went on, and it didn't happen, I began to question if I heard from God, if it was God, what the reality was. Because, see, immediately when God did say something, I interpreted what he said according to my standards and my understanding and my boundaries. And in that, I brought about a confusion in my own life about what God was saying. And it took me a few times, (laughs) unfortunately, I'm kind of like that, you know. It took me a few times of God showing me things and talking to me about stuff to start to catch on that even if God shows me something or talks to me about something doesn't mean it will happen. Sometimes God's showing me things so I can pray it doesn't happen. Sometimes God's showing me things so that I can pray that it will happen. Sometimes God's showing me things so that I'm aware that it will happen. And he's asking me to pray and seek him in spite of or because of any of that, right? Okay, so I don't have all these, don't, don't misunderstand me, I'm not, I don't have all this stuff, I just have little things God's talked to me about. And so as I look at that, I say, um, one of the most difficult things for me is waiting on God to interpret and do. And in the impatience of waiting on God, I usually try and make it happen the way I think it ought to. And so when I'm trying to make it happen the way I think it ought to, because it's God and I'm not really hearing anything, so I'm going to act in it, I get myself out here in this place of working for God, and I start to get worn out and beat down and all of that. And the whole while, the shepherd is over here, come here, come here, come here. I'm like, I hear you. I hear you. I'm coming. I'm working my way that way. (laughs) Hey, there's something I didn't read to you at the beginning of this teaching on the Holy Spirit that is something that God is definitely speaking to me about and challenging me in my own life. 
in John chapter 16, right at the beginning of his teaching to the disciples about the Holy Spirit, Jesus made this statement, there is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Okay, so then he goes into that whole thing about what the Holy Spirit's going to do. As I read that, I was thinking, oh my goodness, Lord, they couldn't handle it. (laughs) They couldn't handle it. Uh, They had no ability or capacity to comprehend what God was doing, what God was about to do, what was going to happen in Jesus. Okay, so I look at that and I'm thinking, man, oh man, you know, the truth of the matter is Jesus revealed what they needed to know for the moment. And in that moment, what he was telling them did not make sense to them. Think about it. None of it made sense until the resurrection. Then only part of it made sense. And then they waited, and when the Holy Spirit came and he filled them, things made sense. Then they began to live in the power of the Holy Spirit and began to practice what they were being taught, what they learned from Jesus, what the Holy Spirit was revealing in them, and that's when the activity of God was sent out into the world to accomplish the kingdom work. So it's interesting to me that we in the church have kind of left our foundation of the basics of knowing the Holy Spirit's voice and doing what he's saying and accomplishing the kingdom work. And the fact of the matter is the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to reveal what we need when we need it. Here's the problem I think that I have, and maybe you're like me. I'm always wanting to know what he hasn't said yet and avoiding some of the things I already know what he said. (laughs) I'm like, I want to know about that. And he's like, I already told you about this. (laughs) Do this. Like, yeah, 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 I know, but I want to know about this. Yeah, but I want you to do this. So, if he's leading and I'm following, I don't have to figure it out. And most of my anxieties and stress is trying to figure out what he's doing next. Isn't that crazy? I don't know what God wants from me. I'm not sure what to do. I don't know where I'm supposed to be. I'm not sure what the next turn is. I don't know. I'm waiting. God, show me. Tell me. He's like, I'm trying. Shut up. Today, think about it. Today, all he may want for you is to go out the gate and go out and eat some grass. That's all. That's all. That may be all he wants from you. So relax and do it. Everything doesn't have to be complicated, mystical, and crazy. God wants us to live life. He wants us to produce, to reproduce. He wants us to mature. He's watching over us. He's protecting us. Oh, it's amazing. So today I'm not going to talk to you about horses. I'm actually going to talk to you about dogs. Something different. (laughs) So as we stress out about stuff, should I go there? Should I do this? Should I not do this? Whatever. Okay, relax for a minute. Two weeks ago yesterday, we got a new dog. Two years ago, we, I, let me backtrack. We have not had a dog, in, we had not had a dog for like six years, and I was totally happy with that. I like dogs, everybody else's, and I didn't want one in my house. 
And uh, my wife kept saying, you know, don't say we'll never get one. Yeah, whatever. Uh, you know, and then she kept saying, like, I want to get a dog. I want to get a dog. Finally, I'm like, okay, I need to let go of this. Yes, we can get a dog. What are we going to do? So we got an Australian Shepherd. And um, he's amazing. I'd never owned one before. I've seen him, whatever. Uh, smartest thing in the world, man. It's crazy. So we get this little dude home. He's 11 weeks old. And I uh, got a dog door. I go outside with some peanuts. Kim's inside with peanuts. Say, come here. His name's uh, Concho, off like a saddle. Concho, come here. He comes through the dog door. Give him a peanut. Stand up, pet him. Good boy. Kim calls him inside. Come here, Concho. Give him a peanut. I mean, like, literally five minutes. The dude's like, I got this. No problem. He, he used that dog door from that day on. Right? I mean, super smart. Peed in the house twice. That's it. 11 weeks old puppy. He got it. Like, go outside to do that. Never, ever pooped in the house. Never chewed anything up. I mean, if you want a picture-perfect dog, God bless us with the perfect... I mean, he is amazing. I, he just is... It's crazy. And I told her, like, you know, if we ever had one of these years ago, that's probably the only dog we'd ever own. Two weeks ago, I bought a Brittany. <laughs> An American Brittany. Little hunting dog. All right. Well... They're supposed to be smart, and I'm not saying he's not, all right? I'm not. He's not a concho. I'm just telling you right now, okay? <laughs> Go to the dog door. Hey, buddy, look at this. Come on. Concho runs through it, and he stands there. Uh. <laughs> uh, lift it up. Come here, man. And he's standing there looking at me. I'm like, that's a hole. Come here. <laughs> Reach in and grab him. Come here. It's okay. Step through there. Let it drag on it. Okay, well, let me tell you, it was a lot more than five minutes, all right? And uh, it was more than a peanut, all right? So now there's, it, he, we've had him two weeks. He finally uses it most of the time. That's all I would say, all right? And we're trying to teach him to go outside to go to the bathroom. So what does he do? He goes right to the dog door, and that's where he goes. In the house, right? Like, this is where I'm going. I know where I'm supposed to be, but here I am, all right? And, Good enough for me. All right, so no, it's not good enough. Carry him out there to the dirt in the backyard like, good boy, this is where you go. Wait right here. I have spent more time in the backyard in the last two weeks than I have the previous eight years we've lived there. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. And I'm watching this dog constantly like, when is he going to get it? <laughs> when is this dog going to get it? Do I need a professional to come in here and do something? What is happening with this guy, you know? So I'm watching for the little signs, you know, because they have him, and all of a sudden, but he's a hunting dog, so he's constantly working his nose. The Australian shepherd is always using their eyes. He can't smell nothing. It's hilarious. I mean, I can put food on the floor, and he'll walk right over it if he doesn't see it. That little dog, he's sniffing for everything. So I'm watching him because he's all around. Sniffing. He's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you sniffing over there? Where are you going? Come here. Come over here. Come here. Hey. And he doesn't even know his name yet, right? And I'm like, Cinch. Like, he, that's another, that's his name, like a saddle. Cinch, come here. And he's like, da, 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 whatever, man. <laughs> you know. So anyway, I'm telling you all this for a reason. I am taking this dog out here and waiting and watching as he wanders the backyard, and I call him back over. Here's the dirt. Hey, here's the dirt. <laughs> you did it. Yeah, woo, good job. You can go in house now. Let's go, right? All right, so it's still ongoing. But here's the reason I'm doing that. 
I'm, my wife's been sick for like three weeks with that garbage that's going around. My mom's there. I'm, trying, I'm a little overwhelmed with a lot of the work that I'm doing uh, from school. I have this huge report to do. I'm trying to work on it, and I'm working on it and trying to entertain that dog. I'm sitting outside on the back porch because I don't want to be in the house because then I've got to constantly watch him, and I can't get anything done. So I decided I'm going to go outside. Thank God it's been beautiful all week. So I'm sitting at the back table, and I'm messing with them just uh, one hand, typing with one finger, you know, trying to get things done, messing, messing, messing. I'm like, Concho, get him, man. Do something with him. No, you know. All right. Finally, he gets worn out. He wants to be a lap dog. Grab him and put him in my lap. Oh, thank God. He's finally done, you know. <laughs> All that high energy. Boom, done. He's laying in my lap, and I'm finally I can get something done. And what am I working on? What is it that I happen to be working on while all this is going on is the context of what God's been talking to me about being quiet, being still, and listening. So I'm beginning to type, and the dog's laying there, and my first thought was, finally, you're just wearing me out. And as I put my fingers on the keys, God was like, finally. Dave, that's what I've been trying to talk to you about, waiting for me, being patient with me. And he says, do you know how long I watch you running around and I pick you up and I carry you over and I'm saying, this is what I want. And you're like, I know. Come here. This is what I want. This is what I want. Dave, chill out. This is, I want you to spend some time with me. And there he was, just totally relaxed in my lap. And it, I'm just telling you right now, there was no way he was comfortable. I mean, he was sleeping, and his body was all contorted to try and get on me, and I'm in this trying to type and all this, you know, but he was content to be with me. That's the only place he would find rest is in that moment, you know, and God's like, Dave, this is what I'm talking to you about. Amen. And the Holy Spirit, oh my goodness. Thank you, God, you're so patient with me. Thank you, God. As I was there in that moment, and God's speaking through all this, it's just, come on, it, it's got to blow your mind a little bit, that how God does those things in your life, and he brings that truth to right where you are in your life, and he's like just using everything to talk to us. This is the spirit of God talking. So Jesus is saying, Dave, stay with me, be quiet. I've been talking to you guys. Remember I talked to you about this a while ago, and I even used, I mean, it was a few weeks ago, a month ago. I've had so much happening. Anyway, I put the clock down right here for two minutes, and I told you I, I put it on for myself for five minutes to be quiet and be still with God, right? I think that was about three weeks ago, I think. I don't even know. And here I am just on Friday sitting there typing, and God saying, finally, this is all you can do. You think you can't do this, but you've been standing over there in that dirt for a cumulative hours waiting for a dog to do his business. <laughs> and are you telling me that you're so busy for me that you can't wait with me? Amen. <sighs> you don't think you have time in your life? Get a puppy. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm like, man, God, you're amazing. You're teaching us so many things, and you're like, just wait on me. I mean, if there's anything that God is saying right now, he's saying, wait on, let me lead you. Follow me. Know my voice. 
So you know Jesus as your Savior? Hey, do you all know him? What conviction do you sense from the Holy Spirit today? See, you do know the Holy Spirit's voice. He's speaking. He is, and it's the voice of Christ. And what he says is affirmed in the truth of the word of God. I want you to know that. He will never speak out of terms with the word of God. And so as the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, what is it that you sense the Holy Spirit convicting you of today? That doesn't mean you've sinned. Remember, he convicts of sin, of righteousness, and the coming judgment, right? He does all that. So what is it that you sense him convicting you about? If you're not sure and you're confused and maybe you've got yourself in a place where everything is just like so discombobulated in your head, you don't even know what's what, all right? Then I think the best thing for us to do right there is to just stop and and reflect back. What is the last thing you know God talked to you about? What is the last thing you know God talked to you about? Just reflect back. What was it? Whatever it was that God was asking you about, what did you do about it? Back there, what did you do about it? We're obedient to it. Remember how in the middle of the message I was talking about, I'm a lot of times so busy asking what he wants to talk to me about that I'm avoiding some of what he's already talked to me about. That is where confusion and and lostness comes from. A lack of obedience to what I already know, what he's already said. And so when I go back and I stop, I got to think about what did I know God talked to me about? Do you know the last thing he talked to you about? Do you? Just think about it for a minute. If you don't know right in the second, that's where you begin to, to ask him to reveal to you what it is he's been talking to you about. And I'm pretty convinced by the word of God that he will reveal that truth to you because he's leading and he's guiding and he's the one that's taking the lead in our life. And so if he hasn't, he will. And he's going to show you. And now when we say, what are we doing about it? You need to reflect, am I living in obedience to whatever that was that he said to me? If you're not, that's where you need to start. If you are, then just relax. If you are, relax. He's not messing with you. He wants you to trust him. He doesn't want anything different from you right now. If you know you're right where you're supposed to be in obedience to him, don't do anything else. Don't go anywhere else. You follow me? Saying it's not time to make life decisions on your own. Good Lord, never do that. Okay? Wait on God. He wants to to take the, the lead. He wants to take you where he wants you. He loves you. He's not messing with you. Relax in him. So this week as we leave church and as we prepare ourselves, would you take some time to be quiet and listen to God? Would you just be quiet with him? Don't take your Bible. Don't listen to music. Don't take a pen and paper. Shut off your phone. Be with God. Quiet time. Listen. He loves you. He is talking. We need to know what he's saying because he's the one that's leading in our life. Father, we love you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the revelation of your truth. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming to be the revelation of truth. Thank you for speaking the words of Christ. Speak into my life, speak into our life, and lead us, Lord. We love you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. The altar is always open. If there's something you need to talk to God about in that type of response, please do so. God bless you, and thanks for being here today.